The show on 1350 ESPN is paid for by Casper Media, LLC. This is USA Takedown, the best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. Coast to coast, border to border, and all those ships at sea. Good morning. It's Friday. We're talking to Casino Studios. This is USA Takedown. Uh, Mike Harvey has the day off. Kira Jones sitting in. Kira, Mike up and on throughout the program. You jump in as you see fit. Oh, I'll do my best. Yeah. I'm, I'm I not was sure like, I'm the, the best person for the job, but I'll, I'll do no, my hardest. I, en- I enjoy Try interacting with you. Okay, Aww. more than just watching you push buttons. You're good at that, but uh, I enjoy your your constant comments and uh, conversation. Hey, I enjoy having each and every one of you listening to us. Um, that's why I work so very hard to put together great shows, okay? wrestling movie coming out. Uh, Chance Leonard will be joining us on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, it'll debut here, I think it's in five days, six days, but Chance will be on to tell us about that in the second hour. Joey McKenna's made some moves lately, and he'll be joining us from, I, I, I can't even tell you where he is because I think it's uh, its like eight to ten hours difference uh, in time zones. So he may be in Europe. I'm not yeah. sure. But uh, Joey McKenna will be joining us. You know that name. Rob Cole, the new half-million-dollar man. Is that even something? I don't know. But um, uh, Rob recently signed the uh, contract to become Stanford cardinal head coach out in california for half a million dollars a year five-year guarantee can i have half a million well you, I, <laughs> I can get you 50 cents an hour that's the <laughs> colby joining us the guy that um, when rob cole left cornell he left it in able hands and the university did not take long to name his replacement he got mike gray mike gray longtime assistant but an outstanding athlete uh, as well. Mike Gray will be joining us in hour one. Todd Tomazic is a gentleman out in California uh, that decided, you know what, we need to have a, a private, non-educational um, uh, based wrestling tournament, invitational, okay? He'll be talking to us about the event that's coming up in uh, California. I think it's this weekend. And also, um, the guy, well, he was one of the most successful in Indiana University history. Angel Escobedo then became the eighth head coach in the program's history, doing so in 2018. He joins us now. Good morning, Angel. How are you? Great, great. How are you guys doing? Well, we're good. I'm super stoked that uh, you and I reconnected. And I know it's it's a busy uh, job being a head coach. There's a lot of ball. Did you ever know that it was going to be as tough as it is? You know, I mean, I think, you know, once you're an assistant, you kind of envision yourself, you know, as a head coach. But once you actually get behind the desk of a head coach, you're like, wow, this is actually a lot. It's a, you know, a lot goes a lot. into it. There's a lot of different areas you have to manage. Um, so I didn't think, you know, I didn't think how much of a job it is, like how much different factors there are. But I'm getting the hang of it, that's for sure. You know, when when you think of a, a coach, ten times out of ten, you think of the guys sitting in the corner. Okay, deciding who's going to sit in the corner is really the job of the head coach. It's not always the head coach that's sitting there, but you have to wear so many hats: that of a parent, right. a recruiter, a husband, 
um, a father, a friend. Um, there are a right. lot of different hats that you have to wear. And I got to believe recruiters uh, and recruiting is going to be one of the most difficult parts of the job. It's certainly one that takes up a lot of time. For sure. For sure. I mean, you you know, you got to give yourself to uh, recruits, their parents, um, got to spend a lot of time building that relationship. Um, you know, you start from scratch and then you have to, you know, get, you have to like allow them to get to know you and what your vision is and what you're building for them to feel comfortable, whether it's your school or not. So um, that does take a lot of time. And, but you know, the, the cool thing about it is that you get to meet a lot, a lot of new people, you mm-hmm. know? So um, in that process, you get to meet parents, you know, their sons, and then you get to meet their friends. So um, it's a pretty cool process that you'll, you'll know the rest of your life. We're talking with Angel Escobedo, UI, or IU, pardon me. <laughs> Got to get that right. IU head coach <laughs> for the Hoosiers, and uh, he makes his program. Last you and I talked in person, uh, you were yep. still at Iowa State being an assistant coach there. Uh, the transition, yep. um, obviously you've done well. Uh, you're attracting some great talent to uh, Indiana and um, allowing more kids to stay in state and go to school yep. at Indiana. Talk to us a little bit about that because there's a lot of pride in ownership. There, there is, you know, I think when we took over, you know, my staff and I, we kind of laid down a plan of, you know, how can we get Indiana, right. you know, and we like, well, the first thing we have to do is state. And, um, you know, we were able to do that that first year, you know, seven Indiana kids who are now uh, redshirt, going into their redshirt sophomore years. Um, and they've kind of changed, uh, you know, just the outlook perspective of kids going to Indiana. You know, it's like, Oh, wow, those kids stayed in state. Um, you know, we had a three-time state champ come here. Um, other, you know, multiple two-time state champs all choose to come here. So now people are interested. Now they do want to help build this university. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I pitch to the kids is, like, why wouldn't you want to build the Indiana Across Your Chest University, right, to be the best in the country? Right. Because you're going to be a part of that. You're going to be a part of making this you know, program really great. And it's going to only, you know, um, like I would say, raise awareness to how good the state is. Mm-hmm. And we're a good wrestling state. Very good um, wrestling state. We might not get all the credit, but we have the best kids in the country. You know, at last you guys were um, uh, competing in front of crowds. You're, you're drawing bigger crowds. Okay. Yep. The team is drawing yep. bigger crowds. Wrestling has yep. a, a different position on campus than it has experienced, uh, in a long time. Um, yes. so that tells me that the fans are understanding that, you know, this is a different program since you took over in 2018, 2019, you've guided the Hoosiers, uh, to some, uh, ranked wins over North yep. Carolina and, uh, then Stanford, I think was ranked 25th. Uh, but you also cleaned the clock of Chattanooga 32, nothing that year. How exciting was that for you? It was great. I mean, it was great for the kids. Uh, you know, I guess the young men for them to get on that other side of winning and blanking, blanking the team. I thought that was awesome yep. uh, for them to experience. Cause some of those guys, you know, had been on teams that got blanked on the other side, right. you know, without winning a match. So they were able to experience that and come together as a team. We had a really you know, fun time together. And I think, you know, with the crowd, like you're talking about our fan base growing, it's because of us getting those Indiana kids, right? Like they follow them through high school. 
they want to see how they're going to do in college. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's within driving distance for them to come watch. Whereas if those kids were to go to other, you know, colleges, it's like they might be a flight away or, you know, 10 hours away. So um, that's been a really big thing for us is how do we get the kids that have been following and how do we get those fans to come into Bloomington and, you know, wrestle or watch at our new arena? By the way, that new arena, Wilkinson Hall, gorgeous. Um, oh, Indiana has put, the I'm, best. I'm thinking Indiana's put more money into facilities in the last five years, uh, yeah. than any other university in the country, perhaps, uh, in the top five, at least. And Kara, right. do, you, do you know the, the arena I'm talking about? Wilkinson Hall? Uh, I don't, but I, uh, I'm going to ask a really honest question. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. i've been to one wrestling match in my life it was in high school and i went because i was in the marching band and for some reason they wanted us to play at one of these wrestling matches so could you describe the atmosphere in the arena during Mm. a match like what is that like for you guys yeah so i think the way that we set up our this arena wilkerson hall you gotta imagine the bleachers are all coming out um, all the fans are kind of on on top of the mat, right? There's one center mat, um, and everybody's just circled around that mat. Now, you know, at a night duel, we'll turn off the lights and we'll put a spotlight over the mat. So it's like just you and another Focus. guy in front of, you know, 3,000 fans. Love it. And just how intense uh, the matches get, how close they are. It's seven minutes, so it's not a long match. And there's a lot of action in that happen right you got a lot of oohs and ahs and like cheering guys from you know being down to last second takedowns the whole arena going crazy so it's like it's like a really really intense environment and uh it gets really loud in there really loud i'll I'll give you example our guys you know they run out from a tunnel and we have fire you know coming out they're running (laughs) out they go to the center of matthew have their walkout song love it so it's you know, it's like a football game. It's like a basketball game, um, just shorter time, right? Just seven minutes of just one guy across the other guy, and let's see who's been putting in the work. Mm. And wrestling, by the way, has stepped up its game across the country, and we're seeing yeah. new programs emerge, both men's and women's, and we're seeing wrestling in a much healthier place. And, Angel, you remember when wrestling was threatened, not just at the Olympic yeah. level but at the collegiate level? Uh, at high schools, yep. uh, the talk was, well, how many programs did we lose this week? Not anymore. Now we're starting to right. see programs like Stanford resurrect itself, even yep. as the, uh, rising from the ashes, like the Phoenix. Right. So right. Yeah, right. wrestling's in a really good place. And that's where the era coaches such as yourself come into play because you have greater visions of what the sport can be, what it could be. And really what it never was, if you think about it, wrestling has always been in the shadow of, in the shadow of football, in the shadow of basketball, in the shadow of whatever. Uh, But now uh, many universities are are proud to say, hey, take a look at our wrestling team. Take a look at the $17 million facility that is Wilkinson Hall. This is where we have an opportunity to shine. And I think my young coaches, such as yourself, are doing just that. Uh, there's a lot riding on your shoulders, and, and right. I get it. So talk to us a little bit about um, 
the recent ruling of the NCAA and saying that, well, we're going to bonus you, but we're not going to give you another year. Or am I reading that wrong? So it's going to go by institution on whether they um, grant that. Like, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, okay, everybody got that free year. So this year just really didn't count. Even though we wrestled a, a full season, wrestled a national tournament, um, you don't have to use this year, right? So if you were a senior, if you were a fifth-year senior, this year didn't count. So you get that extra year next season, and then it's based on the university's budget. Are they going to cover that kid's scholarship or not? There it is. Um, you know, not every university is the same. Some have bigger budgets than others. Some could say, yeah, you can keep, you know, your four seniors that you had, you can keep their scholarships. Some will just say, you know, we don't have enough budget for it, so we can't. So then, you know, you're not really allowed to use that extra year. But it gets tricky there. It does. And public institutions are different than private institutions. Right. Um, the, the budgets are public. Uh, for public institutions, you can see where money is being spent or misspent in many cases. Um, and it needs to be directed. And I'm just going to put this out there. Great idea. It needs to be directed at because yeah. there are uh, women out there looking for a place to go one. Right. Uh, we're seeing wrestling for women go through the roof at the high school and collegiate level. We talk about this frequently. Yes. But we're also seeing it at the uh, at the collegiate level where these regional training centers are right. uh, affording opportunities for women to experience the opportunity to, to wrestle in the Olympic Games. I think we've yeah. got perhaps, Angel, and you know because you've, you were an international competitor, you traveled the world, um, we're, we're seeing wrestlers who are preparing for the Olympic Games in Tokyo in a few short days, really. But they are right. amped up. They are jacked. Our two teams, men's and women's, and then Greco and Freestyle, um, we're seeing an assembly of perhaps the best prepared, both physically, mentally, emotionally, the, the best prepared teams we've ever put on the mat. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree. I would. I think, uh, RTCs are very unique thing, you know, that have started in the last 10 years, um, that are our wrestlers to get the best experience, the best resources, that they need to be the best in the world. You know, you're talking about an RTC guy, you know, living on campus, having a bunch of college wrestlers to wrestle with, um, getting high level. And on top of that, being able to compete at any international tournament, uh, go to the Olympic training center, you know, go to training camp. So, um, you know, I think back in the day, you weren't really allowed that, you know, that option. You, there was only maybe one or two clubs that you can, go to, you know, your Iowa, uh, maybe Oklahoma State that had a training center. Um, but other than that, you were kind of limited, right. right? So um, only the best of the best were getting that opportunity. Now it's anybody can, you know, wrestle at an RTC. And, you know, you could get exposed to a lot of partners. So I think that's really helping America where we are right. in, in wrestling. I couldn't agree more. By the way, um, folks, we're talking with Angel Escobedo on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline today. This portion of the program brought to here.com. Great hearing aids, incredible pricing. If you go online, go to here.com forward slash Casper and get the best prices, the best customer service as well. It's here.com. Um, 
last I was on campus, I think I was announcing the Big Tens. Okay. Okay. Yep. And yep. Uh, it was wasn't it at Assembly Hall? It it was. Yep. I think it was what eight thirteen. It was at Assembly Hall. Okay. And is Assembly Hall? It's still standing. Okay. Yep. I just want to make sure <laughs> because my memory <laughs> still standing. I'm actually in there right now. Are you really? Okay. So my my memories of Assembly Hall are are uh, filled with guys like. Uh, um, Bobby Knight, for example. Yep. And yep. Uh, I actually got to sit in the chair he threw across the uh, playing surface. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Not not everybody can say that. But um, uh, my memories of being there and announcing the Big Tens that year are incredible. And that is a right. community that is phenomenal. You were raised in Gary, Indiana. Uh, yes. And I think I told you the story once before, but my, my dear friend, Dolph Pulliam, uh, who played basketball for Drake University and went to the Final Four, Tiny University. And um, he lived just down the street from the Jacksons of Jackson oh, Five awesome. fame. Right. And so it's not just Angel Escobedo can call Gary Indiana home. <laughs> nope. Dolph Pulling. The Jackson Five. The Jackson Five. There it is. <laughs> yep. All right. So I uh, thought. <laughs> quite a bit uh, about Indiana. The future looks bright. We've got an incredible opportunity for Team USA to do well on the international stage yes. in Tokyo. But Angel, it's not like you that we are where we are today. And I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, pumping up um, Indiana University and all things Hoosiers. I expect a new pullover, okay? Some kind of a pullover. I yes. I will send something for, to both of you guys. Don't tell Fred I Glass. I appreciate you guys having us. Yeah, don't, 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 don't tell Freddie Glass that you're sending me anything. He'll probably want to build the department. So. <laughs> hey, I appreciate oh, it, Angel. Funny. God bless you, my friend. I appreciate you guys having me and, you know, allowing me to speak about our institution. I think, you know, it's a great, great university, great oh, wrestling is. program, and we're excited about the future. Hoosiers are in great hands under Angel Escobedo. Thanks, Angel. Thank you. There you we guys go. have a good one. Oh, you too. You know, I've, I've been a friend of his for a while um, back. I think we started talking in his senior year in high school. And then when he committed to uh, Indiana, becoming literally one of the level best the state has ever seen. Wow. Angel Escobedo. Uh, great observation by you too, Kira. By the way, folks, you can uh, check us out online at... Uh, uh, usatakedown.com <laughs> i think what show am i doing right now usatakedown.com uh, all of our guests on the newsmaker hotline are brought to you in part by our friends at defense soap keep your athletes happy healthy and on the mat with defense soap more after this you're listening to usa takedown all on spn radio stay tuned you know you like it have no fear the true american will be with more usa takedown All right, welcome back to the show, USA Takedown. Across the uh, country, you can listen to us online. You can listen, listen to us on Stitcher, Sprecher, uh, iTunes, iHeart app. It's uh, available in a lot of places, courtesy of our friends at Barbarian Apparel, making great gear for teams and individuals. They can do it all for you at Barbarian Apparel. It's family-owned business, and they do everything with you in mind. All right, Angel Escobedo started the program off. Uh, he's in Indiana. We head to the West Coast now for our our uh, next guest. He was once described in a newspaper article uh, and, and described as he's Gumby in tights out of El Dorado, 
Todd Tomasic. Todd, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Good. When was it you last wrestled? <laughs> well, uh, I, my high school career and college career ended in 91, uh, but I was uh, I wrestled again when I was 38 in right. an open tournament at uh, Cal State Fullerton, more, more for fun, but uh, it's been a long time. How did you do? I, uh, I won my first match, and uh, the, the next two were, were competitive, but uh, <laughs> I was not victorious. You're an accountant by trade, correct? That is true. Okay. Um, when Joy Krebs, our West Coast correspondent, Joy Krebs, uh, suggested you might be a great guest, it's because of an event not that you're wrestling in, but that you're producing. You're the founder, the tournament director of CSFI. Can you tell everybody what the CSFI is and when is that competition? So uh, for the competition's in about an hour here uh, in Fresno, California. Uh, so the high school state finals in California started back in 72, 73, and it's been run steadily every year in that first week of March. And this year, due to COVID, uh, it got pushed to, to June and then a couple of weeks ago, the CIF decided to, to not not have it due to concerns for COVID. So uh, a group of us got together and talked about wanting to run a tournament anyway uh, to recognize all those seniors and all the other kids that put in so much time and weren't going to have a really well. They had a couple of dual meets. And so we found a venue, hired the refs, and CSFI was the California State Final Invitational. So it was, uh, we took a look at the top 24 kids in each weight class and and started there to invite them and kind of worked our way down to the top 40 to, to fill a 24-man bracket. And uh, just about every bracket, it's not 24, but 103s, I think we got up to 130, or 30 kids. So uh, oh. it's going to be a tournament today, tomorrow, and then the girls on Sunday. And uh, we're going to call it the school state final wrestling tournament. I love it. Unofficial. Huh. <laughs> you know, California's done a lot of things right. But recently, boy, they've been making a lot of bonehead mistakes. Uh, and that starts with the governor on down. And how we can't look at the rest of the country and the rest of the tournaments that are going on and going on safely, I might add. Wrestling has really led the way in a return to active on-the-mat competition and in front of uh, a limited number of fans and now wide open. You can go to many places in the country and the stands are filled wanting to see these athletes be their level best i appreciate you giving them the opportunity todd to to uh, compete and complete for many of them this could be their last time on the mat right that's for sure and i we, I was joke with another gentleman here that you know if you play basketball or baseball or even tennis you may later in life have a pickup game of, of any one of those but there's not there's not too many 50-year-olds that, that, uh, that put on the shoes and, and go try to wrestle again. <laughs> I just saw a guy retire, and I think he was 72 years old, and he put and his... Those guys, are, those guys are unique. Yes, they are. And they're fun to talk to. You know, they, they may not always be victors. There's one, um, and I'm, I'm going to struggle with his name, so I'm not even going to try it, uh, but uh, not born in the United States, and he's got like 13 gold medals. Uh, for competing at the senior level. And uh, yeah. I just I love stories where if you still got it, why not wear it? You know what I mean? And and sure. some of these guys can absolutely go and go hard. Um, yeah. And it's evidenced. Um, you see the older guys in the pro side of uh, what we do, 
Um, but they're doing it for a living and it's, you know, while it's all planned, there's nothing left to the imagination. There's still injuries. Um, what type of, uh, athlete will we expect to see in this tournament? You, I think of the top, top 10, we probably have 90% of the top 10 wrestlers. So there are a few, few kids who, whatever health reasons they're out, uh, a few kids went to bigger tournaments. There's some, some world events that uh, kids were training for and off to other countries. But for the most part, uh, all, all, all the tough kids in, in the state of California were, were grateful that there's this opportunity, and, and they're all here to wrestle. You know, when you think about giving that opportunity and, and they respond, you know, I've, I've produced wrestling events, and you might send out invitations to the you know, top 100 kids and get uh, a 40 or 45% response in terms of, yes, I'll be there. But... Those are the showcase uh, opportunities. And what I mean by that is that, you know, college coaches are either going to watch online or they're going to come in a, in person or they're going to have staff scouting out a certain weight, a certain uh, kid, a certain type of kid uh, that they're looking for for their teams. What are your expectations as far as coaches that will be there and visible? So you talked about venues and, and crowd sizes and such and so you know, ideally, we would have loved to have had a, a big venue and, and have lots of spectators, but from the standpoint, that wasn't feasible, and, and most of the venues that I even called weren't even going to allow such an event uh, due to the COVID restrictions. So the venue we found is a is a fence for floor space and wrestling, but up above, there's not a, a big uh, bleacher system, so it's, right. it's really limited capacity for fans and, and would-be recruiting coaches and stuff, so we're really telling people get on the track wrestling. It's uh, you know twenty bucks buys you uh, all all three days and a digital archive to to save those pictures forever if you want and so, use them for your own self. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And so I, I talked to a few college coaches and they're going to try to get by it because they want to meet with some specific kids. But other coaches are just going to watch it online and and they can review it in slow motion and watch it five ten times if they want. All right, There's so, nothing like live wrestling, but right. uh, track wrestling does a great job of, uh, of video broadcasting these things. Amen. Track, that's where you're going to find it online, folks. By the way, uh, first round starts at uh, uh, 9 a.m. That's Championship 1. Championship 2 gets underway at 10. And they're going to be wrestling at the Heat, okay? The Heat Complex, uh, just off Chance Avenue there in Fresno, California. Uh, you're going to want to take part in this because this is literally the best of the best in California. Now, there's not a lot of places they can go in the state of California to continue their wrestling, but recently it was announced that Stanford University uh, would continue its wrestling program. So they pulled them back from the precipice and reinvigorated and, and reinstilled a a to the sport to the tune of a half a million dollars just for one coach, half a million a year. Todd, that that's a good sign for California wrestling, number one, but it's an even better sign for collegiate wrestling. Agree or disagree? I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, I know Fresno is, is trying to reinstate their program as well and, and trying to raise money. And and it, it, one side, you think that's great to see a half a million dollars, but is it sustainable? You know, because it's everything's got budget constraints. So you want to you want to make sure you bring back a um, you know a plan that's rec- replicatable year over year, right. and it, uh, so that it begins a, a tradition. And, and they they had a, a national champ last year mm-hmm. at Stanford, and and that, that's what you want to see, and, and you want to give these kids that do well here at this tournament to stay close to home where their parents and watch, and but still compete on the, the next level. 
By the way, what was your weight at last competition? Uh, but when I was 38, I wrestled 190, 195, whatever that weight class was. But my my freshman year in high school, I wrestled 167. My fifth year in college, I wrestled 167. I was a full-grown wow. 14-year-old, never got any bigger. <laughs> Unbelievable. 167. And th- help me out. Did you go to Notre Dame? I did. Okay. And, Another school that dropped their program. And and was that with Frank? Uh, Fran. Frank Romano? No, Fran uh, Fran McCann was the head coach. That was uh, it. Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart was the assistant coach. Okay. All right. And what other famous person wrestled at Notre Dame? Well, Steve King uh, went on to win a national championship for Michigan program. J.J. Uh, McGrew won a national championship for Oklahoma State uh, after they dropped the program there. Prior to me, the, the Golick brothers wrestled and played football. They were probably the most uh, famous celebrities that wrestled there. There it is. I, I remember interviewing Mike in New York uh, as we were attempting to save Olympic-level wrestling, and I interviewed him at um, um, Grand Central Terminal. And uh, okay. I just remember having to hold the microphone up because he's so tall. I can't imagine of, what he was like. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he is just a great big guy. But uh, fun interview and certainly yeah. proud of his wrestling background. I love that. We're talking with Todd Tomazzi. Todd, are there others in your family that wrestled or where did you get the bug? Where did you get the love? Uh, well, back in elementary school, I just moved to California uh, from Colorado and was looking for a place to play soccer and uh, in my elementary school, a little flyer came for wrestling, and so I went over to the, the little YMCA program, and uh, there were three Lawson brothers that wrestled over there that were all high school state champs that uh, I went over there and was getting beat up on a daily basis, didn't think I was very good at this stuff, and stuck with it, and uh, that, that's how I that's how I started wrestling. I love it. But I'm looking at um, an article that was published in the Tulsa World, and it has you... Uh, winning a match at 177 pounds and it was a 9-4 victory for you and you probably remember all of your high school and college matches don't you no, they, <laughs> they all blend together the older i get how how similar is your children that in accounting uh working with numbers to that of being a wrestler how similar are they i don't know how similar the two the this the of of wrestling and figuring out a way to win. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, as much as I'm an accountant, I'm a, I'm a CFO for four different construction rental companies. Wow. I buy and sell all their equipment. I do their all insurance, uh, I'm their IT guy. I do all the rental software, computer accounting software. So, so to me, it's just a, it's a, a series of matches. It's a tournament. Every, every day I go to work, it's how do I, how do I make this, these, these the financial outlook better? How do I find a way to win? How mm-hmm. do I find a, a better way to do something. So that, that's my parallel to the wrestling. And then the, 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 when you wrestle, you can't blame anyone else. You're the only one out there on the mat. If you lose, it's your fault. If you win, it's your, 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 your rewards. So I, I there's, I've wrestled in front of five, 6,000 people. So there's nothing that if I'm in an interview, if I'm in front of a, a couple of bankers, a couple of lawyers, there's nothing they can do to me that, that, that someone else hasn't tried to do to me in front of, 6,000 people. So, right. you know, negotiating a contract or something that's financial is easy compared to wrestling. See, that's, it's hard to get across that, that idea to the uninitiated. Okay. That wrestling right. offers you up so many different opportunities. And perhaps that's what the, the, uh, uh, CSFI does 
is offer up one more opportunity to truly shine in your chosen field. And before you move on to a different part of your life, like you have, Todd, with uh, obviously wearing up brats uh, for these people that you work for, it's more than hours. What it is is an opportunity for you to help them be better than they even knew they could. And, and, I, and I think there's, you know, not every story is going to be a Rudy, okay? Speaking of Notre Dame. Not every story right. is going to be a Rudy, nor does it need to be. But there are opportunities for our athletes, boys and girls, to uh, and young women, um, to to really excel and to to shine. So other people take notice. And tournaments like you're operating today and tomorrow on Sunday, for the next three days, it's going to be wrestling lights out. And the opportunity is for them to put on a showcase. And people often uh, decry things like arena football or spring football. You know, why do people? Uh, wrestle uh or why do they play from the door football league or what have you and it's because they get to keep that footage they get to shine and continue to sharpen their skills would you say that's part and parcel to one of the goals of, of the event is to allow uh, these kids to shine absolutely to give them a chance and and rankings are great but that's why we wrestle to prove if the ranker was right or he was wrong the, uh, the the underdog has his chance to shine. The, the the guy that was honorable mention all year long and, and never never had his chance to be on the podium and, and now gets his chance. So that's exactly what it's about. Mm. You know, Joey Krebs told me I was going to enjoy talking to you. I didn't know. Uh, you know, I trust Joey with, uh, with everything. But when he offers up a suggestion for a uh, uh, an interview, I sit back and I listen to why. And he has not been far from uh, being correct on this. Let's Thank go to Kara, let's go to Kara Jones. Kara, hey. Uh, so, what was it about wrestling that drew you in, and Ooh. what about it made you want to continue wrestling, even though it? I don't know wrestlers, but <laughs> I imagine I'm like, look at this thirty-eight-year-old guy. Yeah, right. Wrestling. What? So what was it about yeah. it that drew you in in the first place, but also made you stick with it into well into adulthood? Again, drew me in the first place was a flyer that came to the elementary school and I just needed <laughs> something to do to, to keep busy. Uh, but but the, that individual aspect, the, the opportunity for the work that you put in to see your own success, you could be the best running back in football, but if you're not a bad team, you're not going to win and it's not going to be fun. Right. You know, if you're a baseball player and you're a great pitcher, but uh, your, your team can't score runs, you, you, you never get to, to taste success. Right. But if you work harder and you go and, and you, you lift the weights and you run and you, and you, and you strive to be better, the rewards only come to you that you can't blame anyone else. Hmm. You know, there's, there's so much truth to what you just said. And, uh, and perhaps that's the challenge of this program on ESPN Radio, and that we have an opportunity to show everybody uh, a sampling from across the country and even outside the borders uh, of of different athletes, different coaches, uh, people that inspire you or have an opportunity to inspire you. And uh, gosh, isn't that a, a a real compliment when somebody tells you, "Gosh, you've inspired me to be really good." at what I'm doing. And I appreciate that. 
And, uh, and Todd, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because you're inspiring me to not only continue to do this program, but to tell the story of wrestling. The story of wrestling is one of, uh, it's rich. The tapestry of the sport is rich. It's thick. It's delicious. It's everything that you want it to be if you apply yourself. And that it's not always the score that matters. It's winning in life, taking control of your life, recognizing those that you're competing with. Some of the best friends in the world competed against each other. Now yep. think about that. Dake and Taylor, perfect example, competing for a spot, always competing for a spot. When one made a move weight-wise, the other made a move weight-wise. I can't even imagine what that's like, but watching it happen in front of my very eyes and then watching the friendship that comes out of it. Uh, the, the mutual respect because they both see how hard the other worked. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if Dake beat Burroughs, people thought, well, gosh, that, that, that didn't just happen, but it did. And you know what? Right. It, it, it serves notice on everybody else. Step it up and don't be afraid and enjoy California state federation of independent wrestling. The tournament director has been our guest, Todd. Thanks for being a leader out there. Our sport can trust. And, uh, thank you for what you're doing for this sport. And, uh, People are starting to funnel into the venue now, so i got to get back to work. Get after it, Todd. Thank you so much. Have a great tournament. Thank you, you too. All right. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350 ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. It is USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It's Scott Casper, Michael Harvey with the week off, taking care of uh, uh, some work-related issues, and we'll look forward to his return perhaps as soon as next week. We appreciate that. Todd Tomazic uh, was just our guest, uh, live from uh, Fresno, California, getting ready for the California State Federation of Independent Wrestling. Uh, that tournament getting underway in just about a half hour. Uh, we'll go through Sunday, finishing up with uh, women's wrestling. I always believe that, you know, uh, as much as women's wrestling has grown, it's come. But we have a team of young women, uh, some seasoned veterans for sure, but that are going to be making their way to Tokyo. Acclamation, first job at, uh, on, the, uh, on the list, acclimating themselves to the time change, the food, everything that goes into being in Japan. Uh, and I tell you what, I, I wish them the best. They're well-coached. We've got some great opportunities for uh, gold medals and gold medal performances. So good luck to our women on Team USA. All right. It was recently announced that Rob Cole would depart position at Cornell. That left the door wide open. And the associate head coach at the time is a young man I've long admired, uh, a tremendous athlete, uh, great coach, inspiring for sure. He becomes the uh, David Dunlop, 59 head coach of the sport of wrestling, Mike Gray. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm great, Scott. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Hey, congrats. Uh, uh, I always said the patient person is the associate or assistant head coach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when uh, uh, Kale Sanderson was at um, Iowa State, and this is an example, um, Kale Sanderson was at Iowa State, Chris Bono was assistant, and it was Bobby Douglas who said, stay, you're going to be the next head coach. Well, it didn't work out that way. 
Bobby Douglas didn't have that kind of stroke. A lot of folks don't realize it's not the head coach's opportunity to name his replacement. May have worked well at Ryder with Gary Taylor and John Hanji, but it doesn't work that way everywhere. I think the played out and was well played by you and getting the opportunity to continue to serve in the Ivy League. The EIWA is a wonderful opportunity indeed. So congratulations, Coach. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's, you mentioned patience. You know, it, it's, been a, it's been a dream come true of mine to, you know, be the head coach at Cornell. I've been in Ithaca for 15 years now, and right. this will be my my 11th year of coaching. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I've always had this as my goal. Um, you know, wasn't sure when or if it would come, but, you know, ultimately just really committed to Cornell. Um, you know, I, I, lo- I love I love Ithaca. I love Cornell, uh, Cornell wrestling, and um, it's the place for me. And here, you know, being named head coach. With all the uh, institutions in the Ivy, uh, Cornell has enjoyed the most uh, prestige as far as being on the mat. They have as long a history as, say, Yale or uh, Harvard um, or Columbia or Princeton, but it does have the most success. And a lot of that has to do with coaching coaches can take the temperature of the sport and then know what they need to do in terms of recruiting and management of their program, their assets, including like the Friedman Center. Uh, that is a wonderful building, by the way. It's just the right size. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't know what the plans are for facilities there, but uh, were you surprised at all when Rob made the decision to depart? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we all all were a bit, um, you know, but I just know that, you know, he's been at he's been at Cornell for thirty two years, and you know, was head coach for twenty seven, and you know, I think he he's earned the right to you know have the ability to on it, right? Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I think everybody was a little surprised. I don't think I don't think he could move any farther away from the Finger Lakes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, right? Uh, no, I, I think that I think that. Stanford, you know, wanted and pursued him hard. And, really? You know, I, I just think it was the right move for him at the time. And, you know, nothing but, uh, you know, good good luck to him. And, sure. and I think that I think he's going to do well. But, no, I mean, I'm just excited and, you know, ready to kind of usher in, usher in the new, new era of Cornell wrestling. Think about this. One of the things that you can hang your hat on is having been there as a volunteer, okay, as an assistant coach, then associate head coach. I mean, you tips to prepare yourself, uh, uh, as we were talking with Angel Escobedo, about the entirety of the job. It's more than just being there for wrestling practice or being on the bus, okay? It's, it's so much more. The NWCA will tell you that it's being a CEO, not only for you and your staff, but for the athletes, their parents, and the fans of the sport. You have some uh, great athletes uh, but also great facilities. What does the future look like for Cornell under your leadership? No, so we're just really excited right now. So we just finished, um, well, we're in the process of fi- just finishing the branding for the Freedman Center. So we uh, pretty much doubled the square footage. And nice. we have, you know, and even, I would say, even more beautiful wrestling facilities. So I think it's the best wrestling facility in the world. So yep. really excited about that. And then, um, you know, another big focus of mine is continuing to bolster our RTC, right? So our our fans and our supporters are, are extremely excited about 
and, and I would say reinvigorated more than anything about the change and are just really, really supportive and, and want to see me succeed. So they're doing their, their very best to give me all the resource, resources I need to um, kind of usher in my vision and, and, and kind of revamp the RTC a bit. So that, that's a big focus of mine. And then obviously just continuing to um, build fan base and, and continue to stay in touch with our, with our supporters and our alum, um, that's our alums rather. So they can continue to support our wrestlers upon graduation um, and, and get them into some, some great fields uh, as they pursue their professional, uh, <clears throat> professional career. So for me, it's continuing to, you know, make sure that everyone knows and appreciates how, you know, how much we, we love the Freeman Center and, and, and how, how much it's done for our program. And then uh, just giving our kids resources. My number one goal is to, you know, continue like, like we have, continue to give our kids all the resources Matt in the classroom and, uh, and upon graduation so they can succeed in, you know, in all three aspects. And that's the one thing that we're very confident here at Cornell. We believe and, and we know that we offer the best combination of athletics and academics you know, above any other school. In, Doesn't in the sound country, like right? an Ivy League school. At yeah, all. I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah, disagree right? with any of that. Let's go, Kara Jones. Kara, sure. Uh, so, after this new role, are you, yeah. or I guess even observing in your previous role, have you seen any? Uh, <laughs> I used to work in retail, and we called them opportunities. Oh yeah. But have you seen where you're like we? should really focus on that for the betterment of our team and our kids. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, a big thing that we need to continue to do is uh, really just having kids can build relationships maybe a little earlier. So, um, you know, we've, we've always had good, good, good opportunities for summer internships and stuff. But I think something that we do really well is uh, we actually have this, um, this database where our kids can, kind of look look in an area and see you know who, who's there and then who can maybe offer summer internships and things like that so my goal is to try to get these kids connected with uh maybe a job opportunity that they might be looking to uh exploration earlier so getting them in there for summer internships after their you know freshman year or so sophomore year and really just trying to build their resume while they're in college mm-hmm. and this is something that we all know would be beneficial and, and we all know that a lot of, a lot of folks do it, but they're not necessarily always athletes. Right. Um, a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the kids here at Cornell are, are doing this, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that aren't athletes to build a resume so they can, you know, be placed in some really good jobs. So my goal is to have our kids do that as well, while also providing them a training environment. So wherever it may be, wherever they get their summer internship or, um, you know, their summer job, so to speak, making sure that they have a training situation there as well. So they're really continuing to grow on the map, but also they're really honing their skills. So once they graduate, they can um, have wonderful jobs and they can hit the ground running professionally. You know, Cornell endorses the idea of being not only in touch with those that are supportive, but your fans as well. And, uh, and I love that. Uh, not every school does it. Um, Rob yeah, was, no, we, uh, we, we we recognize and, and we're very appreciative of our, of our strong fan base. You know, I know uh, that's something that Rob did really well, and something that's um, you know very important to me as well. Just keeping keeping everybody in touch, right? Sending out newsletters, mm-hmm. really getting them inside the program, giving them a 
you know, an inside look at everything. So they feel super invested and they're very confident in, in the direction that the program is going. So I think that's really important. Just not, you know, hitting them up once a year, you know, for a, don- a donation maybe, and then also making sure they go to nationals, but really continuing to foster great relationships that are going to um, help the program as a whole, whether right. it be job placement for kids or just support on, uh, you know, at the national tournament or, you know, coming still in the stands for all of our matches. It's really, it's really trying to keep that, those ties really strong and also continuing to grow and continuing to pull some more folks uh, onto the Cornell wrestling train, so to speak. Mike Gray, our guest, uh, he's the head coach of Cornell, uh, the, the big red, by the way, um, up in uh, Finger Lakes area. It's up in Ithaca, New York. And uh, having been on that campus many times over the career, I can it's a wonderful place to live. Uh, and, and, and if you're thinking about where to go to school, okay, think about Cornell. I, and I hope y'all are good enough to get in. Uh, they have pretty tough, um, because they're an Ivy school, but Cornell's principle is that you've got to be a good student first. And Mike, you were just that as a student athlete. And now as a coach, you've endorsed that and follow sure these kids don't fall even as they are excelling on the mat, right? Absolutely. No. So we have, uh, we have a great support system here. Um, you know, academically, we have, you know, many academic liaisons that have been struggling a bit, you know, with tutors and, and, uh, you know, study halls and things like that. So that's the one thing that, I'm really confident in and that I'm, I guess, really thankful for as well. The fact that we have so much, you know, institutional support, um, and, and from our athletic department and, and obviously, uh, even higher than that. So our guys are, um, well taken care of and, you know, obviously to your point, um, making sure that they're doing a great job academically is, is really important as well. Making sure that they're, you know, carrying their, carrying their weight and, 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 going to class and, and getting, getting good grades and making sure their GPA stay high. So my goal for this year is to have a, a team GPA of 3.3. Um, and I think it's definitely attainable and, mm. um, you know, we have the resources to help these guys, uh, you know, reach that goal as well. You mentioned the, um, the, I don't want to call it renovation, but the enlargement of the wrestling facility, yeah. the Friedman center, I'm, I can envision walking through the doors. Uh, the, the weight uh, room is on my right offices beyond that uh will your office stay the same yeah so offices uh stay the same um you know the head coach's office and then we actually <clears throat> so the weight room is now on the back of the building so when you come into the freedman center now you come right into this gallery of champions and we have uh interactive touch screens and we have um you know some really cool uh, a, a numeric wall which has all of our uh you know numbers of our championships in the, the league and the iwa so it's, it's really, it's really neat. It's really, uh, you know, really just a, a hall of fame showcase piece, which is, which is really cool. We're going to have a, a really nice trophy case in there as well. So just kind of a museum of sorts for, for fans when they come to the match, they can come a little earlier. They can spend some time looking through the, I mean, looking on the, the touch screens and looking at the current roster, looking back at, you know, past Cornell grades. You can watch Kyle Dake's national championship videos. You can watch David Hirsch's national championship videos. Travis Lee. So it's really just an interactive, uh, you know, an interactive piece, which really is going to get the fans excited and, and also going to celebrate the, you know, the, the greatness that Cornell has experienced over the years and right. really celebrate the individuals that put Cornell wrestling on the map. So that's, so that's really neat. And uh, we, 
<clears throat> back to the coaches' offices. We took some of the space where the weight, weight uh, where the weight room was. So bigger offices for our coaches, then a really beautiful um, gallery of champions, and then uh, that leads into our wrestling room and our uh, arena for for for, for our, our smaller home duels. Right. And then, uh, you know, we blew out the back of the building, so all the the renovation. Um, is is from the back of the building. Okay, so that was I'm was trying to envision it where the bleachers were. That that wall is being blown out and and it's being enlarged that way, right? Yeah. So 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 where the bleachers, so the the main arena, right, and and the you know the the previous footprint is is the exact same, but under the bleachers was, was where the locker room was previously. So we blew that out, and we have a um, you know a, a therapeutic room now. So we have. Um, you know, cold and hot tub. We have a very nice sauna. Um, you know, we, we have a brand new training room, brand new locker room. And then we have our Spartan, uh, a Spartan training area. So we have a, a separate, a separate wrestling room for, for our freestyle, for our RTC. So we have a separate wrestling room. And then that's where, and, and then now our weight room is on the back of the building as well. Cool. So, and then it. lastly, we have a, uh, a beautiful student lounge. So there's a full kitchen in there. We have, uh, you know, movie theater seating. We have, uh, you know, a bunch of TVs. We're getting a ping pong table in there. Wow. Really, really (laughs) neat area for for our student athletes. You know, you got to stretch it. You know, one of the things I remember most, I stepped in that room and immediately got hit by a a volleyball. Um, (laughs) They were throwing footballs and volleyballs around in there. I always thought that the original facility, the original Friedman, was perfect for a game of dodgeball. Perfect size. Yes, 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 yes. So we currently we're we're big on uh, soccer right now. So yeah. we we play soccer. It's fun. Goalie can't use their hands, okay. so it makes it more challenging because it's a smaller goal. But no, our, our guys our guys love soccer and just, you know really enjoy. Uh, they just really enjoy the facility altogether, and, and the upgrades are just. You know, they go above and beyond for their needs, and, and Love it. they're extremely excited. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm personally excited to see the benefits uh, of, of the additions as well as, as we continue here. Under your leadership, Mike Gray, the David Dunlop 59, head coach of the sport of wrestling. Mike, it's always good to talk to you. Congratulations on the new gig, new and improved gig, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's your opportunity to make a mark in your own way. I love it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day, and uh, it was great chatting with you. God bless you. There he goes. Mike Gray heads to the show in Ithaca, New York. He's of wrestling at Cornell. All right, stay tuned. There's the side. Rob Cole, Joey McKenna, Chance Leonard, all do up in hour number two. This is USA Takedown, only on ESPN Radio. More coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown, only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines, sports leader. All right, welcome back. It is takedown. Top of the hour has come and gone. We are now head into hour number two, and we're talking wrestling every single Friday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, courtesy of our friends at Defense Soap and also Wild Rose Casinos. They sponsor our studios. We appreciate that. We'll be out there doing a live show, uh, I believe, the 16th of July. We'll keep you posted on that. Perhaps you'd like to come out and say hello. All right, it was uh, announced a few days ago um, that Rob Cole was uh, selected and appointed as the 31st head coach of Stanford Wrestling. And uh, I tell you what, that is a tremendous opportunity for Stanford to grow. 
They had an outstanding year, even wrestling in the shadows, as it were, uh, having been uh, told that wrestling and uh, 10 other sports were going to be no longer. Well, the hue and cry from the general public, those that support Stanford athletics, uh, concerned parents, athletes, and some uh, very, very fancy legal work uh, identified the opportunity that wrestling. So they backed up on their decision, and they hired one of the level best coaches in the country. Most people said he would never leave Cornell. Well, he did just that, did our next guest, Rob Cole. Rob, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I didn't know when I should Thanks stop. Inter- <laughs> hey, listen, congratulations. Uh, um, you know, being comfortable as you were uh, in Ithaca and the Finger Lakes area, it, um, it had a lot of people saying, no, this is not possible. He's not going to go to Stanford. Opportunity came to knocking, and you sat and listened. You, they were seeking you out. I think that's pretty cool that you made this huge decision after 28 years as the head coach at Cornell. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I, I mean, it, it it was a long time, and I tell you, it was it's hard when you're when you're you grow roots like that. It makes it extremely difficult to move. But I just felt like it was it was time for a change in my life, my wife's life. Uh, we, the kids are, are up and out. Daniel will be gone next year, and they have uh, we've put the posi- the program in a great position. I've right. got Mike Gray in there now, who's fantastic. We've yep. got the great funding with the RTC. The building project is done. I just felt like there wasn't a whole lot more we can achieve, and I wanted to. Uh, I love I love the process of building it over those years, and I thought, boy, it'd be a, a heck of a challenge, and and so something I need to to get motivated and fired up again. And, and it's true. I tell you what, the second I accepted the job, I haven't stopped working and, and I, I don't regret one, one second of it. I love it. And by the way, was it coach Steve buddy, a former head coach at Stanford? I made the mistake. I was announcing Stanford at Iowa state and I made the mistake of calling him the Stanford Cardinals. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, my first mistake when I was, when I was, corresponding with their uh the athletic director and he let me know very quickly that <laughs> there one there is no s in cardinal right in cardinal and it, it's not a bird yes <laughs> but it was uh you know you just you just uh <laughs> you know i was just I, mean, I actually did know that i just uh i've made the the the, the uh cardinal air of putting an s in there. cardinal air i got it <laughs> i got it. that did that wasn't lost on me coach thank you, thank you. i'm here all week and your athletic director is is it bernie Bernie Bernard Muir Bernard oh Bernard I, I you know I was thinking I was well no Andy Noel is not Bernard Muir <laughs> yes sir you know what um it takes a, a a big department and a bigger institution that can admit that it made a mistake and they rethink their decision and retract what they were going to do and for all coaches in the country and now especially you that is a huge statement by Stanford. It's a huge statement for wrestling in the West, and it's an even bigger statement, I think, for NCAA champion-level wrestling. Agree or disagree? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to take a very optimistic approach to that and <laughs> say I agree. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, no, look, look, there's there's institutional you know, uh, problems that, that result in having 33 coaches in, in how many years? Cornell, we've had five, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's what needs to be changed. I, I don't think this has just you know, started last year, you know, and I remember, uh, uh, um, 
Tom uh, Bowlesby talking about this. Bob Bob Bowlesby, yeah, uh, talking about National Coaches Convention and warning warning coaches that you know you need to you need to not uh, just focus on on winning and you need to focus on making you making your program the less the least desirable to cut. Right. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but just it really resonated with me in that uh, you know all these teams are focusing on the RTCs and I'm not per se, but I'm just saying they do have great resources. They saw the types of resources that were available to them after the fact. You want to be proactive and not not reactive. And I'm very thankful for the for what I was able to inherit as you know, very energized and generous alumni group that is uh, just and, and you know and screaming that they want to help. I mean, it's right. just remarkable. Every time I pick up the phone and speak with somebody, you know, they're they're increasing their donations. And uh, you know, That's Coach Pelly, Coach, <laughs> Coach Pelly, and, and Coach Ray did a great job of of fostering that uh, that generosity over the last year. Well, that's something that can be cultivated, but it needs constant attention. You are one of the level best letter writers uh, in keeping your fans, the fans of, of uh, Cornell now, the fans of Stanford, but keeping them in touch with the program so it makes them feel as if they are a part of it. It's no longer just about asking for a buck. And and, and believe it or not, people will write checks. They call them going away check. That's not at all. You understand what I'm saying? I think uh, Mike Novogratz thought he could write um, uh, uh, a going away check. Well, Bevilacqua accepted the check, sat down and wouldn't leave the office. You know, and that's the kind of thing you've got to be tenacious. And, and you are the very, disc, uh, uh, a of that. Um, the, the, how is the farm in, uh, say Cornell? Well, you have to let me ask me that question in a year. Because I really haven't been there, other than walking around and, and uh, you know on my visit. So I'm going to find out. Yeah. Uh, how, I, I can say just on a, on a if I were to say a, a Polaroid approach to that, a snapshot. Right. You know, it just it has an amazing community of whole athletic department is integrated into the into the uh, the experience at Cornell. You've got a campus on you know a mile away where they bust the kids over to practice soccer and and baseball field off campus and and it's just you know at, at, at stanford all the students live on campus oh, wow. every single one lives on campus they are all you go walk into class you're going to walk by the football field the diving wells the wrestling facilities it's just it's all one giant community and so that was what my what really initially attra- attracted me was just wow this is this has got a great deal of spirit i mean everybody's wearing stanford you know stanford shirts as you're walking across campus you walk across you know, not to disparage Cornell because I I love the place, but right. it, it had a little more eclectic feel when you know you will see walk across campus, see somewhere at Harvard and Penn and, and and North Carolina. I don't want to see that. You know, I want <laughs> I want I want everyone wearing Stanford stuff. So that was one little little thing that I noticed almost instantaneously. It was it was kind of interesting. But uh, but getting back to uh, you know letter writing, I mean, obviously that engagement with alumni and, and your fans has certainly changed and evolved over the last couple of years. And now it's obviously taken a huge social media approach. And, and, uh, I do know I was one of the first to just try to be very honest and open. And, and, yep. and when we, when I speak to people about what we do and how we engage your, your fan base and grow it, it's, it's all about making these people, the owners and respecting them as mm-hmm. such. It doesn't matter if dollars or $5 million. You know, people who make contributions to the program are more engaged. They're more loyal. They're more likely to come to matches. And I, 
I think some people are asking because they don't want to you know, push people away. And the actual opposite occurs. When, when someone makes a contribution, they become an owner, and then there's a certain amount of accountability that you have to them. And I have no problem being accountable to our owners, you know, and, and, and cause if, and that's the best, that's the best thing and the worst thing. And perhaps that's why some coaches don't get engaged with their fan base, because if they don't win, that fan base comes screaming and hollering with torches ready to get rid of you, you know? And, and I see that often in programs that suffer is they don't, they don't want to have their fans there. They don't want to have their alumni involved because they're the, that's, that's what happens. You get fired. They push you out. That's right. And it's and it's uh, you know it's a, you you know you really gotta not be fearful of that and uh, accept that that's uh, now it's a necessary part of of the job. It's probably the most important it's part huge. of the job. And I'm yeah. blessed and I blessed that I enjoy it. Yeah. And a lot of coaches they just want to teach and coach, and that's that's a, a less less than it certainly less than in my father's day, where literally you he went and showed up for practice and he recruited, and that's it. We didn't have to worry about uh, all the other things that we have to worry about these days. We're talking with Rob Cole. Let's go to Kara Jones. Kara? Yeah, so I know you said you had a visit. I'm not sure how long you've been at Stanford, but um, immediately, is there anything that stuck out to you where you were like, oh, we we need to change that, or I know how we can fix this. Were there any opportunities like that that just jumped out at you? Well, the one thing that really resonated almost instantaneously was when I found out that they didn't charge for matches, that there was no ticket sales, there were no season tickets. And to me, that's a statement that there yep. is no value to your, to your event. I, I'm, one of the things we, we've always done at Cornell is to charge for... Best. I don't say you have to scout people, but if there's if there if if, if there's no value associated with it, I, I think I think that you know, it demeans the product. And and I want to make sure that's the first thing I want to do is is have season ticket sales. I want to I want to set records. I want to have two thousand season tickets sold in the first year. Hmm. And, and I want to be football and basketball. I'm realistic. I'm not I'm not crazy. <laughs> Probably well, too. They've got a fantastic program, but but. Then, then you have once again people are investing in your program. Yep. They, 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 in, and at Cornell, we have season ticket holders. I made sure we sold out. They only have three hundred. The venue's not that big, but you've got three hundred people who are. They have a different. You know, they they become they elevated their status. Guys pride themselves on having those same tickets and having better tickets every year. It's, like, it's really neat psychology behind it. Uh, that's going to be one of the things I push really hard. I think it's also one of the things said when you look at the true uh, you know, safety of a program or, or the, the, you know, is, is a program really, uh, is it really valued? Is, it, is, is there something that, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about getting dropped? If, if you have average season ticket sales of 5,000 people or 4,000 people or, or 2,000, those programs don't get dropped. No. Nope. You know, you're not going to see Penn State or Iowa. It, it doesn't happen over, but at a place like this, where you have what, 8 million people probably in the metropolitan area, the wow. Bay, as opposed to Ithaca, New York, where there's 25,000. We still <laughs> sold you know, 300 tickets. If, if we can, if we can, you know, have that same type of exponential growth, I mean, I mean, good Lord, how many season tickets would we have? And that's reaching out to the wrestling community 
at, at Cornell, we found we, people put a lot of money, a, dispro- a disproportionate amount of time and effort into attracting students to the event. Well, if you're a student and you've never been to a wrestling match and you've never wrestled, the likelihood of you becoming a Cornell wrestling fan just because you go to Cornell is not very high. But if you attract that or, or market to the high school student who puts yep. in two hours a day, every day of his life, and knows the Kyle Dakes and the Yanni Diakmahalases and, and, and Vito Arushas of the world, it's a very easy sale. And then you sell their parents and their sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles. And so that's how we were able to increase our attendance uh, and do it at Stanford. And it's going to be very, very successful very, very quickly. I remember uh, you as a wrestler, Rob, and a great deal of success at North Carolina. Uh, you were raised under the watchful eye of the great Bill Cole. Uh, I was there when your father was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, then it was in Newton and uh, now in Waterloo. But, um, you know, I've watched you grow as a coach, one of the best communicators. Um, you've got a, a, a razor edge type humor. You absolutely get it. And uh, it takes some folks a little while to, you know, to be able to turn, turn that, that channel, make sure that they get it too. But uh, you are accomplished as a coach accomplished as an athlete, and I can't wait to see the difference you're going to make out there. Are you uncomfortable at all? In one uh, fell swoop, you became the highest-paid wrestling coach in the country. Uh, are you uncomfortable at all in that position? I'm, I, wish, I wish that that were true. <laughs> I don't know where, where you're getting your, your, uh, your, your facts. Uh, but if that were true, I would be not uncomfortable. I would be thrilled. <laughs> but but Pat Minio, I don't stop. He's I know, posting right? these things. How much money? I go. I don't. I don't know, Pat. But I want to get to know him. Like, you got to work him as, as my agent. You know, it, it's crazy. Uh, Minio, unfortunately, is unfortunately, that's not that is not the case. I I, I and I'm like I didn't. I the only person I who else who knows my how much my salary is my wife and and she's like. Is this true? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've done, I've done, I've did fine. I've done fine at Cornell. I don't, I don't. I'm not going to ever buy a yacht. I'm not looking to have private okay. planes. And and unfortunately, and, and, and I'm not making the type of money that uh, <laughs> would would afford that type of luxury anyway. But you know, so I, I look. I'm, I think I'm, I'm sure I took a pay cut to go here. You know, so it's not. It's simply not true. Uh, and uh, I said, all these coaches are calling me up saying, hey, can I quote? I'm like, you can put every whatever you want, but the number I'm going to tell you is not going to get you a raise. Oh, good. So. <laughs> you know, guys like Pat Minio love to break stories, and if they can't break the actual story, they're going to make a great story up. And that's one, that's <laughs> don't, one. don't let the truth get in the way of a great story, right? Yeah, I mean, right? Uh, yeah, I saw those numbers, I went, Wow. wow, I'm really wealthy. You know, where the heck they <laughs> That's a surprise to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure uh, your wife probably felt the same way. She goes, uh, are we, we going to be pulling in that kind of money? And, and Rachel, yeah. oh. she had to be ultimately very supportive of your decision. Um, it's not easy to take a family out of a community, uh, one as close as the Finger Lakes area is. I mean, you, you know a lot of folks on campus, you know a lot of folks off campus, but to move all the way across, as I was telling Mike Gray in the first hour, I said, Rob could probably take any coaching job in the country he wants, but he took the one that's literally, literally the farthest away from where he was. 
And uh, that's, yeah, no, that's it was a huge it was move. a decision. We made that decision, by the way. It wasn't I made that decision, and she really was excited about. Quite honest with you, I mean, we've been with her since we're seventeen years old. Wow. So, um, you know, and I've been very selfish in much of my life. She's allowed me to to live the the life I've I've wanted to live to focus on on coaching, and and uh, she's enabled me to do that. You know, and and uh, you know, she really wanted. To, she was excited about it. She does not love Ithaca's weather. You know, and, <laughs> and I don't talk about that too much because. For Thirty-two years that I've been at Ithaca as a head coach or an assistant coach, I've been telling people it doesn't matter. You know? it just doesn't matter. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter that it does, much. It does now. It does now. It certainly <laughs> does to my wife. You know, and uh, and so she's pretty happy about that part of the, the part of the move. Rob, I know if you had time, and if we had time, you could list out a whole bunch of folks to thank. But it's the guys in the room. It's your staff. It's the alumni program supporters that have helped to hone you as the great coach you are. And I appreciate you so very much. I always have. You've been there for me when I needed you the most, and I will always well, be there to tell your story. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be successful if it weren't for those people. That's the bottom line, because right. there's a lot of great coaches out there who don't have not enjoyed my success because they don't have the, uh, the, the environment in which to, to thrive. And, you know, and, and they, I, I name those guys there's a lot of coaches who are phenomenal and they just mm-hmm. get their due because they're not coaching at one of the, the big tens or the pro- programs that have the environment in which to to thrive so uh you know i've been fortunate to be able to cultivate a make a good great good situation great up against you the know, clock rob real we quick will, we will do we will do the same at Stanford, <laughs> I promise in short order in short order it's rob cole time um real real quick um before we head to the break have you made a decision on your staff yet? I have, and they have to go past at Stanford. They're all passing through background checks. I've got, uh, I'll probably have about, including the RTC, about 10 coaches. Wow. And, and training, and train, 12 people training. And, and it'll, it'll, people will be shocked at how many people, how many athletes we have moving out, how many great coaches we have moving out. And it's going to be uh, one of the best staffs in the country and one of the one of the most competitive RTCs in the country uh, instantaneously. Well, we'll have you back on here in a month or so when we're better able to talk about your staff as it develops. We wish you the best, Rob. Congratulations, my friend. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Take, take care, guys. There he goes, Rob Cole, the new head coach of the Stanford Cardinal. We'll be back after this. Joy McKenna's coming up. Chance Leonard as well. A little later on in the hour, you're listening to Iowa Sports Leader. This is 1350 ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap News. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, we use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back. It is USA Takedown from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. Lots of entertainment, all three locations, Clinton, Emmitsburg, and Jefferson. We'll be there in Jefferson uh, in front of a fight night. Uh, So we'll be there on Friday to do the show. This is 16th of July, so that'll be a remote show. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to talk and meet many of you that do come out every time we're out there. So that'll be in Jefferson at Wild Rose Casino. Our next guest... uh, one of my favorite wrestlers ever uh an amazing college career that included ncaa finals appearance honors he brings a wealth of international experience and accolades uh to his current 
uh, home. He's a four-time age group world team member, a U.S. Open champ, two-time world medalist at the junior and U23 level, and uh, just an absolute stud on the map, but also exceedingly bright. Uh, he is Joey. Joey, how are you? Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good. It's uh, good to be back on Takedown Radio. It's good to hear from you, but I do appreciate the opportunity, as always. Um, it's a long way from New Jersey, isn't it? <laughs> You've literally yeah. traveled the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm actually out in here now. I just finished up at the Poland competition this past Wednesday. I competed and um, you know, figured out the reason. Decided to plan a trip to Ukraine to Odessa on the Black Sea. So... How does that happen? Made a little change of pace. <laughs> How does that happen that you can just go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrestle over here in the Ukraine? <laughs> Europe is tiny. Yeah, well, uh, I actually went over to Ukraine in February. I was there for a two-week training camp, and I wrestled in the outstanding um, coaches and wrestlers invitational in Kiev. And, um, you know, that was just a great experience. We were connected with. Uh, Dave McFadden and I had come out, my teammate at the PRTC, and we got connected with family here in Ukraine, um, you know, with a trip with the Korluk family, and they've just been outstanding. So um, I figured I was already going to be overseas, and I knew I was going to take some time off after this competition, and I wanted to get a little Euro trip in. So I decided, I decided um, you know, where's a place that I can go, especially with COVID, everything is a little more restricted and right. it's harder to get to places you want to go. And Odessa was kind of on that list and my connection's already here. It was pretty easy to make it happen. And Poland's right on the border of Ukraine. So pretty, pretty quick flight, similar to domestic, domestic flight, just an hour and a half. And, um, it's a great place to be. It's like flying from Minneapolis to Des Moines. <laughs> Only yeah, you're, exactly. you're going to Odessa. <laughs> and they call it, what is it on the, the sea? They call it the, um, you, you said it's it earlier. on the Black Sea. On the Black Sea. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, love it. So if you look at the map, it's, yeah, on the Black Sea. Now, is that a freshwater? Just trying to, just trying to tour the world. <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious, is that a freshwater or a saltwater body of water? That's a great question. Yeah. You know, uh... <laughs> I, I don't know that. I do not know. That. I have no idea. Either. I'm going to challenge you not to go take a taste of it. It's probably. probably... Uh, I should have put my tongue in it earlier when I was swimming in it. <laughs> you were literally swimming in it. Yeah, yeah, I was. It wasn't the Jersey Shore, but I had to experience what what the sea and the beach was like over over internationally. Well. I got to believe it's a unique experience and you're making the best of it. Joy McKenna, our guest, uh, your trials journey uh, ended up a little earlier than you would have liked to have had it uh, in your search for uh, an Olympic. Uh, talk to us about working off of that and continuing competition. Yeah, um, the trials was an amazing experience nonetheless, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of the result. It taught me a lot about who I want to be as a wrestler when I take the mat and what I want to, um, what I want to show people and really exemplify. And, you know, obviously the result didn't end up in my favor, ended up taking second, being the runner up there, but you know, it just gives me a lot of confidence going into this next cycle the, with the world champ at the end of this year in October in Oslo, Norway. Um, and, you know, I just feel like every time I get to compete, I, I get a little bit better and, I'm not afraid to put myself out on the, out, out on the line and, 
and take those risks and gain those learning experiences. And, you know, I was able to go to the Pan Am Championships with Team USA right. um, about a week and a half ago. And then, you know, the chance to come to Poland, which was a ranking series event in the UWW ranking series. So, you know, I, I was excited to come out, compete, put it on the line again. And like I said, I think any time I can get on the mat, especially internationally, um, I just feel like it takes my level of wrestling just I feel like I just get so much better. And, of course, the perspective and experience being able to travel the world and, and use wrestling to do that has been um, incredible, and, and I'm grateful and blessed for those opportunities. Joey McKenna, our guest, just a wealth of international experience, only getting larger now with his decision to go to uh, <laughs> another country and wrestle in another event. But, uh, you know, you're one of the guys that people can get behind. It's easy to get behind Joey McKenna. Uh, you've really wrestled uh, some of the very best in our country and some of the very best in the world. Uh, it was uh, at the Olympic trials, I think, where you beat um, James Green and Zane Rutherford. Both exceedingly talented, but the best of them. Talk to us about wrestling Jordan Oliver, because that guy has an ability to flip a switch. It's almost like going into beast. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, believe me, it's not that's walking through the gym or whatever. It's a completely different guy. I, I would uh, describe Dan Severn's difference in a cage or compared to Dan Severn sitting in the car with you on your way to the event. Completely different guy. Yeah. It, it's a beast mode, and, and sometimes it can be scary. Jordan Oliver is a very talented individual indeed, but he's at this event. at Talk to us about wrestling Oliver. Yeah, Jordan Oliver is a great opponent, um, and you know I I like him as a person too. I think he's a great guy. He's got a wealth of knowledge, especially in the sport of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of regard him as definitely having one of the higher wrestling IQs in the sport. He he knows the ins and outs. He knows position, pressure, things like that. Actually, a seasoned vet and a great competitor. And you now he he did what needed to be done that weekend. I feel like. Um, I had a pretty good game plan going into that match, but um, I just didn't execute to to how I would have liked. And you know, he did a great job. He had, he had a great game plan in his own right, where you know, he got the takedowns he needed. And he's obviously big and strong for the weight, so um, he definitely poses a challenge to a lot of guys, and uh, both internationally and domestically. Uh, he's 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 another guy that I need to crack. But, um, you know, still, I, I like getting the opportunity with him and mm-hmm. um, even just learn from his mind. You know, I remember back in 2015, I was at one of the U.S. World Team camps. You know, we had gone together in one of the practices, and you know, he, he knew my wrestling, and, and it really surprised me and just showed me kind of the level of wrestler he is, the attention, the detail that he's into the sport of wrestling, and he did a great job, and especially domestically 65 kilo we're pretty strong and yeah. um you know any any guy can win on any given day and really you got to show up that day and put together that performance and he did that and uh you know kudos to him would have loved to see him qualify for the olympics um you know he had asked me to be his training partner so i was really pulling for him in that olympic qualifier and hoping that he could do that and do that for team usa and of course, that would have given me the chance to go to Tokyo with him and be right, so, re, be 
right alongside him in that journey and, and do whatever I could do to serve Team USA and help USA get a medal at 65 kilo. But um, unfortunately, as we know, that's not the case. But still, um, you know, I'm excited to get back to the next year. You bet. Hopefully get back on the mat with them and learn a little more and start figuring some things out. It's hard to believe that in this Olympic Games, um, there won't be a New Jersey presence. Not you. And and then again, not Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs scheduled to uh, start training where you train now with the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. And uh, I think there's there's some uh, what I call national waves taking place. And the fallout, realistically, uh, is going to be, I think, much better for the sport. You've made changes in your life. You've never been afraid to make a change. Leaving Stanford, heading to Ohio State, uh, and now uh, on to uh, Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. Brandon Slay is the uh, the boss, if you will, uh, of the, of the uh, PRTC. But uh, that's a guy that's – I just sent him a picture of he and I uh, and uh, one other person. I'm trying to remember who's in the picture, but that was right after he came back after winning Olympic gold. Um, that's an easy guy to not only like but to want to learn from and want to be – uh, associated with, would you say that's true? Yeah, completely. I mean, he, like you said, he's an Olympic champion. He's done exactly what I want to do. Um, I got to experience him as a coach back on the age group world teams in 2014 and 15 on the junior world teams. And I'd say he was definitely influential in helping me get a medal in 14 and, and even just the making weight process and offers just a great wealth of knowledge in the sport. But I think too one of the one of the things that really sets him apart is his mentorship outside of the sport. I think he he's done a great job in helping to build up the PRTC, not only to make us better wrestlers, but to make us better men. And he's committed to helping us achieve our goals both on the mat and off the mat. And he wants to help set us up for whatever ventures and endeavors we want to pursue post wrestling. And I think. You know, that's why you start to see guys like, you know, I I had kind of joined the program and there were guys that paved the way before us and Richard Perry, BJ Futrell, Chase Pammy, Dan Valamont, and, um, you know, and then Dave McFadden joins the bunch, Ethan Lezak, Ben Hannes, Mark Hall, and then now JB. And I think it's just a testament to what he's doing and really the, um, you know, the effort and the diligence and care that he takes and, in being our coach at the highest level of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Joey McKenna, our guest on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline, uh, talk about a wealth of international experience. Well, the experience stateside is equally as impressive, even more so. The three-time All-American for both Stanford and Ohio State, two-time Pac-12 champ, two-time Big Ten champ, uh, three-time prep national champ. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. I love the fact when in Fargo... You wrestled freestyle and Greco. Um, and I got to believe that's only helped broaden uh, your horizon as, as a competitor is that you have some of that experience to, to be able to draw from. And, um, and, and I made mention of, of making that move from Stanford, putting yourself out there and coming on this program and talking about that decision was uh, important for me because I needed to understand what it's like and, and, and the type of individual that can make that type of a uh, decision and change um, when the rest of the public is going, why don't you just stay there? 
Well, you wanted a change and a different experience in the sport, perhaps different leadership, but uh, you made that decision. Do you regret anything in your collegiate career? No, not one bit. Um, I think I think my collegiate career went exactly how it was planned to go. Um, obviously, I had different goals and plans for myself, but as we know <laughs> in life, sometimes you know our plans isn't our plans and goals aren't the ones that end up getting sought through. But I think you know I've done w- what was necessary and what I felt I was being called to pursue and uh, the passions I was pursuing. And, you know, I loved my time at Stanford. I loved the friends I made there, the coaching staff that really, you know, brought me in and took care of me. And, you know, I made that personal decision to leave and and go to Ohio State where, you know, I I was able to be on one of the best teams in the country. You know, arguably the year we lost, my my first year, my junior year, you know, one of the best (laughs) second place teams ever with, Kyle Snyder, Bo Jordan, Nate Tomasella, myself, Miles Martin, Luke Pletcher, Micah Jordan. I mean, the list goes on. Right. And, you know, it, it was fun to be a part of that and just to experience a different side of wrestling. Um, you know, I know I've talked about it a little bit before, but I've always kind of been a, a little bit of a wrestling nomad and done what I felt was necessary to pursue those goals. And, um, you know, I think my my career ended just how it needed to to go to give me that fuel for the future and kind of exactly how God God ordained that and I wouldn't regret anything about it and I think that's what gives me a lot of confidence going in the future mm-hmm. it's you know I know that I'm going to do the things that are necessary and the people that need to be in my life are going to be placed in my life and um, they're going to wholeheartedly see it through to help me achieve my goals Okay, in terms of your career, okay, let's say you have an opportunity to build your own Mount Rushmore. In terms of your career, who are the people that have helped you in your career that you would put on your uh, Mount Rushmore? Are you are you asking like Mount Rushmore of of the world of wrestling or my world of wrestling? The your, people that have really helped shape me. That's it, right there. The the second one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, first and foremost, I, I put Coach Buxton, Coach Jeff Buxton on the list. He's the coach of uh, the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club, and he was my coach for two of my four years at Blair. And I had, you know, he was huge in my growth as a high school wrestler, even middle school in the high school, and then really even breaking onto the international level circuit. And, you know, he's still one of my biggest advocates, my biggest coaches. I even like to say that he knows my wrestling better than I do. And, you know, I counsel him in in all my decisions, um, you know, to do what I need to do. So I definitely throw him him on there. Um, You know, I'd like to throw Coach Slay on there. I think he's been huge for me, Um, you know, obviously back on the junior age group teams, but now he's helped me grow so much as a wrestler, as a man, um, and as a leader. So he's on that list. I'd like to put Bill Zadick on that list. He, I first um, was exposed to him in 2012 when I made the Cadet World Team, and he's just always instilled in me a confidence, um, and he's always believed in me no matter what happens. And, you know, especially with him being the head national team coach now, it's good to have those relationships with with a guy like that. Um, and then, 
you know, I'd say even back as a little kid, I, I want to throw Mark Gray on the list. Mark Gray was a was a great is a great friend of mine, and he was a role model to me as I was growing up. Even Mike Gray, um, and we were really close, and I always looked at him as I was going through elementary, middle school, high school wrestling, and they were just role models for me. And um, I think I think they deserve definitely to be on that list just because of you know, the level that I saw myself being the way they paved the way and ultimately, you know, helped me really develop a love and a passion for the sport at, at that age. Mm. Well, I think they're all deserving. I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised when you name Buxton the first, because that guy absolutely is one of my favorite interviews and uh, outstanding man understands the sport. Joey McKenna, you do too. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us uh, today. Uh, it truly is a wonderful legacy you are building, even as we speak. One of the young legends of our sport. I call him a young Turk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, there is a wrestling move called a Turk. So, all right. Anyway, Joey, thank you for taking the time. Best of luck over there in uh, Europe. I appreciate how many hours different. What time is it over there right now? It's uh, 6.42 p.m. So I think I'm about seven hours ahead right now. 6.42 p.m. Mm. I'll be dang. Okay. Well, we've done shows from Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, uh, and now Little Odessa. Little <laughs> <laughs> Odessa. All right. Love it. God bless you, Joey. Have a great time over there. Be safe, my friend. You too, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Always. It's a real pleasure. All right. There we go. Um, Joey McKenna, just a tremendous young man and uh, bright operations specialist in, in college, uh, uh, determining how things work and how things go together. Joy McKenna understands the sport of wrestling. All right, we're going to take quick time out. More on the other side. We'll continue our conversation on the sport. This time we'll take a look at a brand new film that's set to debut in just a few days. It's called Wrestling with a Diamond, The Price of Legacy. That's up next with Chance Leonard on USA Takedown, 1350 ESPN. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. No, I don't know if you can identify our next guest as today's Tom Sawyer, but that song is today's Tom Sawyer right there. How about that? Oh. <laughs> That's called a segue. <laughs> All right, Let's... welcome back to the show. USA Takedown. Uh, just finished our conversation with Joy McKenna. It has been a rocking good show. Okay, and I love that. Um, by the way, uh, we're going to finish with a bang today. We're going to talk about a brand new project that's been literally on the books for a while. It's uh, It was a struggle. It's been a dream. But The Price of Legacy is set to debut on the 15th. Uh, here to talk about it is the producer of Behind, The Price of Legacy, Wrestling with the Dynasty. He's Chance Leonard. Chance, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. How exciting is this for you? Uh, it's a dream to make the film, an even bigger dream to have it being released to you know all the fans of the sport and even those from outside the sport that can understand what this truly means. This is an outstanding story. Describe it for us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. You um, you're exactly right. It, it is a dream, um, and it's something that I think that... Uh, Quite frankly, I never thought that I would do in my entire life. Um, and to have a film that's going to, to come out about our great sport 
and the history that uh, it entails and be able to, in a sense, honor my hometown and my coaches and mentors and teammates and my family is definitely a dream come true. Um, starting the project, uh, I remember um, giving the, uh, a speech at the Lifetime Achievement Award for Dan Hodge before uh, he passed away just last year. Um, standing out of a, a crowd of, of dignitaries and um, are supportive of, of the sport and being able to, you know, say, well, this is, this is great, but, but what more can we do? And I think that's what wrestling really teaches us is that uh, through the commitment and sacrifices and perseverance that we can do things uh, bigger and better and uh, even, even more um, um, higher in a sense of, of what we even think we can accomplish. Mm. Chance Leonard, our guest, he's not just the producer, he's a visionary behind this film and the effort. Um, the I can't remember the name of the uh, w- When in Perry, you can go see uh, the much larger-than-life statues yeah. and dedications to the sport and those individuals, including Danny Hodge, who is one of my all-time favorite people, by the way, he and Dolores, uh, yeah. incredible folks. I, I'll tell you one Dan Hodge story real quick. I, I yeah. remember Dan would say, just stop by the house anytime you're on your, in his quiet way, just stop by the house and, you know, just come on in. So I, yeah. I stopped by the house unannounced and knocked on the door, uh, in, underneath the carport. Okay. Uh, that yep. would lead into the kitchen, knock on the door, knock on the door. Finally, Dan opens the, the, uh, the door and there he is. One of his shirts, his hands are covered with blood. So is his shirt. And I said, Oh my God, what have you done with Dolores? <laughs> <laughs> he was cleaning fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's that was his, you know, personality and yeah. demeanor. He was very engaging, um, and it was just a delight to be around. Of course, when he got on the mat or in the ring, um, there was no way that he was going to let anybody beat him, and so that was uh, the awe uh, of who he was. He, he was just that kind. Um, you know, he really enjoyed people. Right. And, you know, if there's something that comes out of Perry, um, and it would be easy to boil down a lot of some things, but the one thing that comes out of Perry for me is humility. People there are so down to earth, so warm and friendly. The small town of 5,000 people uh, that was established during the great land grab or the land run, if you will, of 1893. It is also home to a company that has meant an awful lot to you in terms of making this film ditch, Witch. tell us about that. Absolutely. Well, we were very, very fortunate to, you know, um, have some, some very special partners that saw the vision, um, and were willing to, um, step up and be part of the partnership. Um, ditch, Witch being one of them, two great banks in, in, uh, our hometown that I've banked at since I was eight years old, exchange bank and uh, first bank and trust, Um, they were, they were, as I say, uh, part of this, but this, this story is, you know, you mentioned Dan Hodge, you're going to see some footage of him that, uh, I don't know that many people have ever seen before, especially during his time. Um, most people may not know that he was the only, you know, national champion in both NCAA wrestling and, um, the sport of boxing and AAU. Um, so it's it's a tremendous story, but I'll tell you the thing that you you mentioned the humility. There's a lot of character traits that uh, I was blessed to grow up uh, learning in small town Perry, Oklahoma. 
Um, and this, this film is going to highlight a lot of that, not only about what the community teaches and expects, but also how they support the efforts and, and how they carry a tradition, not only you know on the mat, but off the mat as well. And um, I think that's really important in this day and age with the character traits that, you know, are the younger generation needs to, to um, be taught. And I think we're going to see what community looks like, what sustainability of a program requires, um, and how the sport impacts. One of the things that, that I know that um, wrestling has, has provided for me um, are our commitment and, excuse me, character traits such as commitment and integrity and work ethic and perseverance. Those are the things as an employer uh, I look for more so than the accolades and achievements because mm-hmm. there's always those elements behind it. And I think that's what, you know, not only a wrestling audience can appreciate, but anybody who watches this film is going to be able to see. Inspiration. That's what we're talking about. Inspiring you to be even better than you think you can be. And we're talking, we're talking with Chance Leonard. He's the producer um, and and the man behind The Price of Legacy. He's identified uh, several of his sponsors, but there's been a ton of folks that have put into this, their belief in you. And I, and I, I love that. The the program we're going to talk about is Perry high school. Okay. And I know that there was a period of time when you could say, well, Perry goes without winning a state championship. They won't do it again next year, or they will do it again next year. Since 1961, never went uh, more than two years without winning a title. And I think that's, that's, that's incredible. That's correct. So many um, of these streaks uh, that this program has, has uh, achieved. You know, they were, became the fourth program in the country to win 1,000 dual wins. Um, they won 11 state as a team. Um, in the, the, the 70s, and that was something that was a, a state record until just a, a year ago. Um, and, you know, this streak, having not um, gone more than two years without winning a state title, is, is really transcendent of all sports. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of, of winning and sustainability of winning championships, there, there has to be something more behind just you know, you have to win. And I think it's cultivated. And I think that the more that we have sports like wrestling um, that can help cultivate these character traits, uh, I think the more successful that we can be And this. The backdrop certainly is the Prairie Wrestling Program and the credibility behind it and its national accolades. Um, but there, there, there's more to this story, and I think we want to see what comes of it um, by, by what's actually taught. And it boils down to a community that really does identify itself with the sport, and the sport is proud to identify with the people of Perry. We're talking with Chance Leonard, and Chance, this is going to be available where? It's going to be available on uh, video-on-demand platforms such as Amazon Prime, iTunes, and Google Play. All right, so I have both Amazon and uh, Netflix. And, uh, I know that uh, Nancy uh, and and was it, yeah, John Greenhalls had a great deal of success with their version of uh, the Foxcatcher story, if you will, the Dave Schultz murder. Yes, sir. Uh, so hopefully people will be able to not only search for it, but it will be well promoted on said sites, paper platforms. 
And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about this because it allow us, allows us the light or at least throw uh, a little bit of light on what has become a, uh, a living legacy. And that is uh, what this movie's about. What is the price of legacy to you? Well, I tell you, that's a great question. I think it probably means um, a few um, different things to different people, but the price of legacy overall for me is the commitment and the sacrifices that get made in order to attain a goal. And I don't think there's anything that uh, in this world that gets done um, without a price being paid for it. And so... Hmm. Um, there are, there are many, many, um, examples of it, but, uh, I think for the town of Perry and the wrestling program, it, it is, you know, a generational passing of the requirements necessary. And I think that the breeding of that success also comes from, from teaching young kids that there are, are things that are not impossible in this world. And that, you know, you get to see a generation ahead of you accomplish things that are meaningful, and it gives confidence to them as they pass this down. And as you mentioned, you know, the town of Perry, the the generation, the people that are, you know, in their 60s and 70s and 80s are still in the stands. They're still holding kids accountable in ways, and they're they're mentoring. I think that's so important, you know, to have mentors. And we're fortunate in the town of Perry to have people like Dan Hodge and Jack Van Beber, who both won um, Olympic medals and at the international level, and that gives us something to look up to. But it also is maybe, you know, somebody's a freshman and they have a senior that they also look up to. And so you, you can find inspiration anywhere um, in the program over its 99-year history. And I think that hopefully this film will also inspire some of the other wrestling programs out there that have achieved tremendous success as well. And some of those are just being development, de- in development, you know, set goals and, and look to attain what it is that they set out for it as well. You probably could have made it through your career well into your adulthood without having... Uh, been made to learn about color correction, sound optimization, um, just what it means to put together a, a, a motion picture. Having been involved in 13 different movies, I could tell you, um, yes, there's, you there's way more behind the scenes than there is in front. <laughs> there is no doubt. And having, you know, I, I utilized everything that I learned in the sport of wrestling in order to make this film. I, I didn't have any, you know, background, obviously, in film. I didn't know anybody that uh, had done previously. Um, and I, I was fortunate to be able to lay out a vision of, of what needed to be accomplished and why. And people, you know, kind of rallied around that. And, and my, fr- my friends that uh, became great friends through this process, through editing and color correction and music and, and, and putting a, a story together that's meaningful, um, has been a tremendous privilege. And to get to the point where, you know, Trace Atkins is our narrator Love that. for the film and him believing <laughs> in the project as well, it, it's it's absolutely stunning that, you know, the last four years this has taken place and, and, and here we have, you know, a film, a, a true story, by the way, about wrestling on the big screen 
uh, on major video on demand platforms. It, it's just, you know, thank the Lord that he has uh, blessed this project in this way. Mm. And by the way, to all of you who have contributed in time or effort or money and uh, in-kind product as well, we appreciate you very much for helping to make this dream come true. Chance Leonard pays homage to his high school wrestling, to high school wrestling's greatest dynasty in a brand new film. It's called The Price of Legacy, Wrestling with the Dynasty. He's been our guest, the producer and the founder of The Effort. Chance, again, tell folks where they can find it. Where can they find you on social media, etc.? Well, thank you very much again, Scott, for having me. This has been a privilege and honor. Thank you. Um, all wrestling fans and even fan, and fans that uh, don't know about sports, you can find us on social media. Uh, the handles are all at Price of Legacy, and you can find us on the web at The Price of Legacy. And, uh, find us next Tuesday, June 15th, on social media, excuse me, uh, video on demand platforms, Amazon Prime, iTunes, and Google Play. I'm with you every step of the way, brother. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your effort. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. All right. Much success. There we go. Chance Leonard heads to the showers. We're going to end the show. You can hear the computer wanting us to end <laughs> yeah, it now. Yeah. All right. You're listening to USA Takedown. We'll be back again next Friday, 9 to 11, only on Iowa Sports Station. This is ESPN.